Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine Miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine Miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I am indeed Elaine Miller Karras. I'm also wanting to let you know that we're also broadcasting live on Facebook on the Resiliency Within Facebook page. So today we'll be discussing growing healthier, more compassionate and resilient communities. I have two of my favorite, some of my favorite people on the show today, uh, Carrie Sipp and Kelly Purcell. Carrie Sipp is the Director of Strategic Partnership with PACES uh, Connection. Carrie is, a, is gifted in identifying potential partnerships and connecting organizations, grantees, funders, communities, and corporations that share similar or complementary missions and values. She is a maverick and helps the world understand ACES science. Kelly Purcell has a Master's of Arts in Teaching with 10 years of experience as an educator, um, with experience as a classroom teacher and instructional coach. They actually, both of them are certified community resiliency model teachers, but Kelly is also a certified trauma-informed yoga instructor, and she started a well-being company called Ground Connect. So today they will share how strategic partnerships and involvement with local resiliency initiatives, initiatives alongside the community resiliency model, which we've talked a lot about on this show, can, can lead to lasting systemic change. So I'm going to have them talk about what they've been up to because, boy, those these two ladies together, they can really stir up some really good, <laughs> good resiliency food for the soul. So um, let's get started. So first of all, before we talk about the Healthy Blue Initiative, I can't wait till our listeners hear about, what is on your mind today? And I'm going to start with you first, Kelly. Anything that's stirring up in your mind as we're getting started? Oh, just so much gratitude. Um, incredible gratitude for this moment and to be able to speak and share this this uh, incredible work that that so many people are doing and um, just honored to be here today. So oh, well, I am so glad to have you, Kelly. And how about you, Carrie? Anything is on your mind today as we're getting started? Just thinking that it was about <clears throat> three years ago, I guess, um, two years ago that the three of us, along with Allison Wine, that's uh, right, did a big webinar. Uh, the, I think it was the third of the webinars that we did to try to help people, at, uh, members of Paces Connection, fifty-seven thousand members plus, um, get a, get get some understanding of what the community resiliency model is and how important it could be. Then it was the beginning of the pandemic, or we were several months in it, and how it could be such a help during that time. Well, um, thank you for reminding us of that because that's when I really got to know Kelly a little bit better and I learned about her great organizational skills. So Kelly is one of the most organized people that I know and I am so grateful to know her because I'm not as organized as she is and we can I can learn from you, Kelly, all the time as I see how you're so organized. So those of you that may be listening to the show for the first time, the community resiliency model is actually something that I helped to develop and it is a mind and body uh, intervention. It's a set of six wellness skills that can be easily taught 
across the lifespan. It can be taught um, to people of different literacy levels, of different abilities, and we have taken it across the globe. I think we're in 75 plus countries right now, and we have an amazing community in North Carolina where both of these ladies are from. So with that, let's get started with some, I want to really ask some questions about the two of you first. So Kelly, I'm going to start with you. What brought you to being such a passionate person who is really involved in so many trauma-informed and resiliency-informed and focused interventions? Oh, thank you. Um, Well, so my journey to this work uh, really happened when about seven years ago, when I was a classroom teacher, the learning specialist at my school came to me and said that the next school year, I was going to have a student who had experienced trauma in my classroom. I'd never heard about it, didn't know what it was. And so I just began learning about how I could serve him better. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. I truly could not get enough uh, learning about, about trauma and how it impacts the the nervous system and our brains and bodies, as well as healing and how we can use skills to heal. And then uh, after the hurricane, Hurricane Florence, the Trauma Resource Institute came to Wilmington, where where I was, and the community resiliency model uh, became introduced to me. And I had the incredible opportunity to get trained with other amazing natural leaders within our community from multi-sectors, multiple uh, organizations in our community. And it, it Lane, it literally brought everything together for me. It literally brought, it is, it's this elegant model that is, that allowed me to use it personally, as well as to be able to easily share it and be accessible to others um, to share. And it's really, truly been so life-changing for me personally, as well as the people I've worked with, my students, um, the teachers I've worked with, as well as now this opportunity to share it with DSS staff and and multiple um, people. And I believe that it is so imperative as we're working for systemic change as well and, and working toward a more just society. So I am so grateful for this model and for you and um, to be working alongside Carrie and all the other amazing people well, in this Kelly, Kelly, I'm just thinking too about that little boy, that he was a spark for you. And he's, his, his trauma helped spark you to do a lot of change into the world. So that is such a sweet story. And I'm going to keep that little boy close to my heart. Um, I don't even, and of course, I know you can't share his name, but just to know that his journey helped you learn more about this, and I imagine you helped him greatly. Thank you. Yeah, it's just been an incredible. I'm so grateful for for them. <laughs> All right. So, Carrie, let us know a little bit about what is your passion and how you got involved in this. Well, I got involved, Elaine, because uh, I grew up in some pretty intense domestic violence, addiction, um, abuse, and I realized the older I got, um, what an impact it had had. And, well, but not as much of an impact that I understand until I got a hold of the ACES study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, in 1998. And that flipped me out because I had a high A score. And A few years later, we started getting information about how the brain is resilient and how, you know, you're not stuck with the brain you were born with necessarily, that there are lots of things we can do to help the brain be more resilient. And I wanted to know a lot more about that. And so started writing about ACES, then ACES science, now it's PACES science for positive and adverse 
childhood experiences because we know the positive experiences can help buffer the negative experiences. But I met a woman named um, Jane Stevens about 10 years ago, and Jane started Pace's Connection, which is a, a incredible uh, social network, uh, uh, the, the Library of Congress and Wikipedia of Pace's Science. It's where you can read these fabulously inspiring stories and learn the truth about the, the origins of so much of our what we call now uh, our collective trauma in the United States. And anyway, I asked Jane about six years ago, I said, well, no, 10 years ago, I said, if you ever go into the Southeastern United States, please let me know. I would love to work with you. She did. And so I've been working at Paces Connection. It'll be five years in January and uh, helping build these resilient communities. And that's how I met Kelly was, I moved to the resilient community that just really excited me so much when I met the people of, of Wilmington. So I moved from Atlanta to Wilmington, and, and that's how Kelly and I got to know each other. And then, you know, Elaine, I call you one day and ask you if you'll, <laughs> if you'll talk to the people in Wilmington at 8 o'clock in the morning, which sounds great to them, but to you it was 5 a.m., <laughs> And you met with them all, and there were people already doing the community resiliency model in North Carolina, but this really brought it home. And now we've got like more than 5,000 people in one section of the state, like four counties, who are trained in this. And I mean, that talk about scaling well-being and bringing something to so many people in one community. So I want to kind of start talking about what the kinds of things that you're doing, and the one of the the initiatives that I that have knocked my socks off is the Healthy Blue Initiative. So I'm wondering if one of you could explain what is the Healthy Blue Initiative and why is it that we all need to know about it? Well, I'll take that one because <clears throat> it happened that a woman who is a marketing person, um, Naima Dye from Healthy Blue out of Atlanta, sent me an email last year, last summer, and said, Carrie, I want to, I found your name on the Paces Connection website, and I'm really interested in your cooperative of communities, which is uh, every community gets a free website on Paces Connection, but some communities that are really um, pushing it hard, really accelerated, will join our cooperative of communities, and they get some special tools that help them track better what they're doing because we say you know what gets measured gets done and she said what I want to do is improve the health and well-being of children in foster care and this just went ding 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 for me because I've been very interested in that and did some research of course and of course kids in foster care they're very interested in because kids in foster care because they have a high number of adverse childhood experiences usually um a lot of drug-related um, breakups or deaths, um, a lot of domestic violence, a lot of um, moving from one school and home to another over and over again, separation from brothers and sisters, housing insecurity, food insecurity, all kinds of um, environmental community um, adversities. But these kids then end up in the doctor's office more. They end up in the emergency room more. They end up having issues with 
um, juvenile delinquency and bailing out of school and whatever. And so I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what, how do we do this? And I called in a friend of Kelly's and mine, Amy Reed, who works for a mental, yes. big mental health operation and is also a um, community resiliency teacher. And by the way, I got to correct you. I'm not certified yet. Oh, okay. You're provisional, provisionally I'm provisional. certified. So, you know, okay. all, all truths here. Um, can't wait to be certified. But, uh, but Amy and I started brainstorming and I said, you know, the first people we need to take care of are the caregivers. You know, these DSS workers are, we've got to do something for the the people who have a huge caseload, you know, the women and the men who are seeing kids whipped from families and moved to other families. And, you know, there's a book called Garbage Bag Suitcase about how kids and this one woman, um, you know, moved all of her belongings in garbage bags so many times. so how can we help these people who are getting secondary trauma? Uh, so, um, so Carrie, t- tell them what DSS stands for, because okay. our listeners may not know that. Department of Social Services. So these are the caseworkers, the social workers who work with the children and the families um, to help. What they hope to do is secure permanency. The, the more stable a, a child's living arrangement is the better. And so what affects that? How well the kid was going to get along with the parents, how well the parents will get along with the child, how effective the caseworker is in both cases. And so the thing that stood out for me as having been to several CRIM trainings, community resiliency model trainings was, wouldn't it be great <laughs> if we could give the DSS workers and the families and the children a shared language, a shared mental model, while at the same time uh, we help people and more people in the, the communities. We have six resiliency communities that are involved in this. Paces Connection has about 430 geographic communities around the world, most are in the United States, and about 40 um, subject matter uh, communities, but wouldn't it be great if we could help communities get this down deep into what they're doing? And it goes so perfectly with it. We work to educate people. We aggregate, track what we've done. We want to activate people, engage people, and then celebrate the work. So it all just kind of fit together so beautifully. Hmm. And, and we- so, so you're talking that Healthy Blue is not only for North Carolina, that there's initiatives like this that could be done around the country. Healthy Blue is in North Carolina because it is the healthcare company, the Healthy Blue part of Blue Cross Blue Shield Insurance and Healthcare that wanted to fund these counties. But any corporation or nonprofit wanting to improve the health and well being of people, um, any um, pharmaceutical company or uh, big endowment. Uh, that wanted to, you know, a, a community fund to fund their community to do this, um, could do this. Now, as I said, people can get a Paces Connection community for free, meaning they get a free website and they get a whole bunch of tools. But to come into the cooperative of communities, um, they get some special um, trainings. They are, get access to a lot of new educational opportunities and they get some special tracking tools. So that's what Naima Dye of Healthy Blue was very interested in was the tracking tools. And so Kelly K 
came in to help us with these six communities so that not only would the DSS workers and the families and the children know this, but, you know, it's kind of like, remember head lice? You know, if a kid was at school and had head lice and you got the house all cleaned up, but they went back to school and they got back into it, the house would get. So how could we help the whole community be, um, you know, a, a, a safer, more stable, accepting um, understanding place. So if we grow this resiliency community, these communities that meet once a month, they have all these different committees, they tackle different work, racism, equity, um, all manner of different education things, housing, uh, th this would put it all together that if everyone in the community could speak that same language, go to church and hear it, go to work and hear it, go to school and hear it. So I just want to say, let's just plain and simple. We know that these kids that are in foster care, that they have suffered greatly. And the, the foster parents have taken on a mission to take care of these kids. But sometimes they may not be as equipped as they could be to um, be able to meet the challenges that this kid is bringing into their home. So that what you all are trying to do is get everybody learning the similar kinds of wellness skills so the parents can help the kids, the kids can help themselves and it can be empowering. And you all shared with me, and maybe Kelly can talk about this. Kelly, I just love the stories that come out of this project. And there was a young man named Kai that, um, could you say a little bit about him and his mom and and just kind of the result of this. I think if we heard a real life story, it can enliven what Carrie has just talked to us about in terms of the systems. Absolutely, yes. So we have, and when we initially started the, the we wanted input from folks who think that they need it and resiliency tools and, and tools and strategies were something that they needed. So we knew that community resiliency model is, is so powerful and helpful. So uh, Christy Blackwell is an incredible person on our team. She is an absolutely phenomenal human being. And um, she has uh, a number of adopted, uh, or uh, she now has an adopted son. Um, and that's who you're speaking about. And she shares a story that is just so powerful about how she used Krim for herself and for her for her sons. Um, so everyone is fine. They, you know, everyone survived this, but there was a house fire where they ended up losing everything. And she had taken a full day Krim training and she was using uh, the Krim skills during that experience. And she remembered, okay, what else is true? I'm going to invite them to look for who, where are the helpers using the help now skills of the community resiliency model. And she was able to stay more in her zone. And she explains it so beautifully in that with neuroplasticity, what we know about what fires together, wires together. So she really helped to change their brains during that situation. Um, and that is the power of this model in the way that it can be used in crisis situations. It can be used before or after and and everything in between, right? And so um, that, and he now uses the, the skills himself. He's a big advocate for uh, this model and sharing it uh, with his, his other um, 
friends at school and and he really is able to communicate with Christy and with the other children in their home for uh, using that common language. I think you're bumped out of your zone and and really being able to use and and have that common language and use the skills together. Well, I love what you're saying because we often say that the um, community resiliency model is adaptable and transportable. And certainly you're giving me a very great example of how this happened. But also I heard that the mom became a, a community resiliency model teacher. So how did that come about? So how would you go from like learning, going to a workshop, and then all of a sudden she's going, well, I got to learn how to do this. Can you share that with us? Absolutely. She is so committed and loves this work too, just like we we do. And and she's really committed to sharing this model um, with other foster parents as part of our initiative, as well as um, in our wider community. And so the Healthy Blue Initiative was able to to fund a or sponsor some new community resiliency model teachers. And she was one of them and um, just an incredible thing. But yeah, the Trauma Resource Institute has incredible um, teacher trainings to become a CRIM teacher where you can then share the skills with others and teach this model that is so, uh, so powerful in your own life, as well as that ripple effect to, to ripple out to all the other people in your life. Well, so let me, maybe I could swing back and ask a question to Carrie at this point. So Carrie, you may know that the Trauma Resource Institute, I mean, I have to just, you know, reveal that I'm the co-founder of that institute um, and that the Trauma Resource Institute is a sponsor of this program, Resiliency Within. So what is the partnership between PACE's Connection and the Trauma Resource Institute? Can you explain a little bit about how, let's say, other organizations could partner with PACE's Connection? Too? Sure, sure, Elaine. Um, actually, Trauma Resource Institute is one of our first business partners with PACES Connection. We have uh, communities that are partners, but uh, y'all are one of the first businesses to partner with us, which means that uh, soon we will be tracking on our Map the Movement uh, part of our website tool uh, who, where all the CRIM teachers are in the country, which is very exciting. We can do a geo uh, tracking, uh, use a device that does that. And so people who want to find a CRIM teacher can go on our website, click um, the dots, and the name of the person will show up. We offer our partners um, the, the website. So CRIM has, Trauma Resource Institute has its own website on PACES Connection as a member of the Cooperative of Communities. We offer uh, the CRIM teachers now a, a way to track their trainings that they can go on the website and they can put in um, using a, another tool that we have, where they've trained, how many people they've trained, when the training was, what sector um, they've trained, and this is important because we love to do the cross-sector work where we've got the communities of faith and the educators and the mental health people and the business people all together. So y'all will be able to track that. And you can keep a real-time uh, celebration going of the incredible work you've done. I went back and uh, reposted so many of the great stories from the last couple of three years uh, your work in the Ukraine, um, the, the, the webinars that you and Kelly and I have done together, um, so many of the, the just the, the good things that the people in um, Wilmington have done. But we hope to flesh that out and get 
more of what community resiliency model teachers all over the country are doing to have a place, your own website to celebrate your work in real time, which is what we did with Healthy Blue. Healthy Blue has a website like that too. Well, and I just want to say that I think what's so important about this is that we often hear in the news, oh, that our children are suffering, that the pandemic brought um, mental health challenges to our kids. That, and I mean, and this is all true, but sometimes we don't talk about what else is true, that there are actually initiatives that are working, that there are children like lovely Kai who can speak to now he's empowered, that he knows how to handle his emotions and to regulate his nervous system when he gets bumped into his higher low zone. And that's coming from him. Oh, so, yeah. So that's exciting that if we could do this all over the country, imagine how the world might be different. That's always what I'm thinking. And I know that you and Kelly think in the same way that I do about this. Well, it, it was it was played out for me so perfectly when Kelly kept saying to me like four years ago, three years ago, come to my school, Carrie, come to my school. And a little kid comes running up, Miss Kelly, Miss Kelly, Miss Kelly, last night. My brother was bumped out of his zone and I helped him push against the wall and got him back in his green zone. And I looked at Kelly and I said, I'm in, I'm done. You got me. This kid got me. And I used this on Saturday. I was sitting with a real estate agent who was telling me about the traumas that her daughter had been through. And I asked her very simply that beautiful question y'all always want us to ask is, what person, place, or thing brings you peace or, and jo- or joy? She put her hand on her chest, tears welled up in her mm-hmm. eyes. She started to cry and she said, my mother, she recognized me as being strong. She's been dead for X number of years, but now, Carrie, I can do this whenever I'm having road rage <laughs> or, or you know, feeling hopeless about this contract that y'all are trying to put in. Well, and, I, th- I think that's the beauty that, you know, we, as we often say, we all have a nervous system and we all have ways that we can access our well-being. And even sometimes if we can't call up a person, there might have been a furry creature. There may have been a place in nature that we can call up. And if we can't call up something from experience, human beings have a great capacity to imagine and they can create something that also can be resourceful for them. And just like you say, at that moment, a person can put that hand to their heart and all of a sudden sense their well-being and then their prefrontal cortex is available to them and they can be more solution focused in how they're going through dealing with some of the challenges of their life. I mean, I think we're all kind of excited about that possibility. And what I'm hearing is the scalability of the community resiliency model with this association with um, Healthy Blue and how Pace's connection can really be like, a, you know, I guess a great bus, that vehicle and how we can track the information and how we can kind of find out what's happening all over the country. So yeah. we're going we're gonna to take a break um, right now in just about a minute or so. Um, and, and I would love to hear is more about the details. Like there might be people going, well, I want that for my community. How do I do it? So if you can give us some nuts and bolts, Kelly and, and Carrie, about how to go about doing that, I think that's going to really help us understand in a greater degree, how can we replicate what you're doing with Healthy Blue in your parts of North Carolina? to the rest of the country. Wouldn't that be something? So are you guys willing to do that after the break? All right. So, so listeners, we will be back in just a little bit 
a um, couple of minutes and we will continue this conversation of how we can scale well-being to not only the children who may have suffered, but also to parents, to um, other children, to caregivers, to the entire community, as as uh, Carrie calls them sectors. Uh, so I just call them different pockets of the community. <laughs> Sometimes that's just a little clearer for some of us. So uh, we'll talk more about that in in just a few moments. So we'll be back with Resiliency Within after our break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma informed and resiliency focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine Miller-Karis' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Elaine Miller-Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life. Your health. Your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I'm here with Carrie Sipp and Kelly Purcell. Carrie is representing Paces Connection, and Kelly has a new well-being company called Ground Connect, and we are talking about their very important project called Healthy Blue that they're spreading 
is it six counties in North Carolina that you're spreading this in? So I really wanted to talk a little bit more um, about how our listeners maybe saying, I'd like to start this in my neck of the woods. How can I go about doing that? But before we get to that question, um, I think, Carrie, you have often mentioned the importance of how we can change the architecture of the brain when a child or an adult has had trauma. Would you speak to that a little bit um, from that Paces Connection perspective? Sure. Well, we know from uh, brain studies, Bruce Perry writes about it so eloquently with Oprah Winfrey in his wonderful book, their wonderful book, What Happened to You, that when a child, the first two months has a horrible first two months and a great next 12 years, that that child is going to have a, a, a harder life outcome than the child who has a, a, a great first two months and a horrible next 12 years. It's those, those first, those early years are so important, so vitally important. That's why when I saw the pictures of Kelly and Amy doing uh, the crim training at a school with a bunch of little four and five and six-year-olds, my heart just was so happy because I was that four, five, six-year-old who would go to school and disassociate. If I had had those skills to know how to get back in my body, how to ground myself, um, you know, it could have changed the architecture of my brain, the cells that fire together, wire together, to wire to the happy cells instead of the, you know, I fought depression all my life. Uh, but Because what happens early has so much bearing. But if we can get in there with these little kids and help them learn how to find some, you know, do that, touch their chest and remember what person, place or thing brings them joys. Maybe it's, I got to play with a duck, a little duckling, or my grandmother held me on her lap, or um, there was a lunchroom lady at school who, you know, gave me a hug and an extra gingerbread cake. You know, whatever it is, those little things can build on each other. And, um, and the healthier your brain, the healthier your life. Change your brain, change your life is what Daniel Amen says. I believe it. This work helps change our brains. Well, you know, it's so interesting that you should say that because I think in the pace of science, one of the things is that when we have non-related uh, family members, for example, not family members, but um, members of the community, it could be teachers, it could be people that work at a, at a children's club, um, and they look at us and they say we're worth something, that can mitigate the impact of the, the negative things that happen to us as children. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I, I won't say which, which uh, university, but she, she just retired from being a chancellor of a major university in the United States. And she had probably 10 or more ACEs. And she remembers, and because we, we were talking about this very subject, she remembers that she was about 14 or 15 years old, and she was, you know, in the foster care system. She was in the system. And all these, she was in a room, and all these people were talking about her. And here she is, just being a little girl, listening to all this. And one of the people in the room thought enough to say, I'm wondering, I'm just going to use a different name. Maybe Mary would like to come and sit outside with me for a while while you continue to have this conversation. She's now, you know, close to 60. And when she told that story, there was you know, you could sense the gratitude that was just sweeping her whole, her whole nervous system about that one person that paid attention. 
And I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the community resiliency model and we're talking about initiatives like Healthy Blue is how can we cultivate, I had a person on my show that talked about, you know, one trusted adult. How can we create those trusted adults to help children and to help others that are adults know that there are humans that maybe we can depend on. So anyway, I know I got a little bit on my soapbox there, but I'm going to turn it back over to you two and let's continue this, this dialogue about, about how we do, how can we, what are some other ways that we can reduce the impact of adverse child experiences? And either one of you who wants to, wants to touch that one. Well, this, this community part, and excuse me, Kelly, but I'm going to jump on this because you know how much I love to talk about positive childhood experiences because uh, sweet friend Christina Bethel from Johns Hopkins University did a study, um, more than 7,000 adults. They went back, they asked, you know, what were the positive childhood experiences that you remember? And they found that when people had these, that the mental, their mental health as adults was much better. So in our communities, the, the thing that I love so much about it, there are four of those positive childhood experiences that happen in community. So if we can get our communities to help provide these, such as enjoying community traditions together, you know, whether it's the lighting of a Christmas tree or a Hanukkah candle or a um, Kwanzaa, whatever, or any type of, you know, along the way, maybe it's high school football games or soccer games or whatever, but in community. And then children knowing that they have friends. Yeah, they're mean girls, but let's teach kids how to be friends with each other. Feeling accepted in high school is one of the other four in the community. I don't know whoever really feels that, but some people do. And then the thing that Elaine was talking about two adults other than your parents who care about you we can teach that in communities and so in these resiliency initiatives which a lot of times they're started by schools sometimes they're started by churches sometimes they're started by the public health department but we at paces connection can teach communities how to do this we have a free 16 hour creating resiliency communities um, um, series of webinars every month where people can plug in and learn you know how to bring a coalition together and make sure that you are being honoring diversity equity and inclusion and then when you see these communities come together, Kelly, isn't it about the most fun thing ever to go to these, these six communities meetings that you go to? I used to do them and now Kelly goes, but it's the happiest people you ever know. And Kelly starts them with a resiliency moment. And then they talk about all this great work they're doing. And it's, it's like, um, golly, I, I don't know much about laugh and gas, but it's kind of like that. <laughs> I call it dosages of well-being. We talk yeah. about, you know, we talk about all the, again, the bad things. If you watch the news, you go, oh my gosh, I can't watch one more minute of the news. But then you go out into community and you see people that are really being change agents. So Kelly, can you give us some examples of these experiences that you're having at these community meetings and what you're seeing that, that Carrie's pointing out to us? 
Absolutely. And I have to say, I have been so emotional in the way of um, just thinking about and being present with with them at these in these spaces. And it's truly a group of caring, committed individuals coming together and being able to move toward this unique and um, special purpose, right? This that We're all in this uh, mission toward working toward the same goal to create these trauma-informed, more compassionate communities. And so, Krim, um, I mean, there's so many, so many examples of people being able to share what's happening in their community, sharing resources that are happening. And as Carrie said, uh, I've been able to humbly share some of the community resiliency model, as well as a lot of the leaders now are resiliency, community resiliency model teachers themselves. So they're starting their meetings with a Krim skill or a resiliency pause. And it's such a beautiful thing to see because then leaders that come to these meetings from different sectors or different pockets, as you say, um, of the community are then taking that out into their meetings and hosting, beginning with those uh, resiliency pauses and things as well. So, and I just want to say that the community resiliency model is such a powerful way to be able to support, as you said, the vehicle that these task force meetings are this collaborative effort and the community resiliency model is this beautiful skills that we can teach the awareness about ACEs and PACEs science and the community resiliency model incorporates that science as well as gives people practical tools and skills they can use, as you know, (laughs) that they can use any day, every day, you know, all the time. And so it's just a beautiful way for the community to get access to these skills. Can I just say too, I think that one of the things that is nice about the community resiliency model skills, which by the way, if you're going, what in the heck is that? We have a free iChill app um, that you can go and download on your smartphone. Um, It's called iChill. It's in English and Spanish and soon to be in Ukrainian as well. And you can learn the skills, but it, I think what's, um, I, I always think this is so amazing and I've taken these skills all around the world. There's something about the way that our, we're designed in terms of our nervous system, that when we sense that well-being inside of ourselves, that um, something happens with our prefrontal cortex, that we not only become more compassionate towards others, but more compassionate towards ourselves. So someone said to me once, it's kind of like a contagion of well-being that happens. It's like one nervous system impacts a nervous system. And if we're jacked up or we're sad and depressed all the time, those nervous systems are impacting each other. But when we're in this kind of zone of well-being, and by the way, the zone of well-being, which we call the okay zone or the resilient zone, I mean, you could be angry, you can be sad, but you still feel like you can manage whatever life throws at you. It's not just the calm, the calm space. And I think the other thing about the skills that I really want all of our listeners to understand, you don't have to go to a calm room and sit on a pillow. You can do them anywhere at any time. I can do it in the grocery store. I can do it when I'm driving the car. If someone cuts me off, I just hold on to the steering wheel and I ground myself through my hands. And then my nervous system chills a bit so that hopefully I don't do anything like road rage. But I mean, th- that's why these are skills that any of us can learn. And Kelly, it's so exciting to see that you're actually seeing that happen in this community. So I can tell that Carrie has something else on her mind because I could just I can just tell Carrie. So go ahead. What do you want to add to this conversation right now? Well, you know, we're so much about equity and so much about anti-racism and so much about anti-poverty. And here's the thing is that it has been very apparent to me that 
you know, we live in a caste system of sorts in this country, which is very unfortunate. But one of the things that we can share that doesn't cost is the ability to have a regulated central nervous system. You know, and as a kid who didn't and, you know, suffered all the stomach issues and the stomach ulcer and the la, 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 and still has problems with it today, had I known that, but for little kids who are in poverty, who are in, and I'm not saying this is a panacea by any stretch, but for, for kids who are in, a, you know, insecure home, you know, the home, homelessness, um, food insecurity, whatever, to be able to go and learn and touch that sense of well-being for just a few minutes even, um, we need to be able to make that happen all the time for all children. All children are our children. We need to treat all children as if they are our children. And I think this is one way that we can start to touch on that because the more people make these choices out of a regulated space, little kids who go into a classroom know when the teacher's not regulated. But if the teacher can get herself regulated, then she can help the kids get regulated. Then they can get up in their prefrontal cortex, their learning brain, instead of their, you know, monkey flight, fight, freeze, um, react brain. So many of these little kids who get labeled as um, uh, behavior problems, whatever, if we could help these little kids get this, so many kids who get labeled with ADHD or LD or whatever, bringing these skills to them, just like other mindfulness um, skills, you know, they've proven that a little meditation helps kids that were in some classes move up, you know, just to have that presence of mind. Kids who come out of these domestic violence situations come to school, and that's another great interview for you to do, Elaine Miller-Karis. I'm going to turn you on to handle with care, but for um, kids to, um, to, to, to touch that and know that that's, that can be possible for them. And then they can sit down and pay attention and get their work done and know the joy of getting their work done and feel. Well, I, I, I think you're absolutely, yeah, ah. I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think that um, as one um, person who had been trained in CRIM said, well, you know, my body's been talking to me my whole life, but I never knew how to talk back to it. And so, you know, I want to just say a little bit about why it's so important for us to pay attention to the body and the nervous system. There's something that's called toxic stress. And basically, our nervous system is always working for us, trying to keep us into balance. And so sometimes that balance is kind of putting our foot on the accelerator of our nervous system. And and the, the cortisol, the, the stress chemicals keep kind of pouring in unless and because maybe because of all the adverse child experiences or what you're going through in life. And it's as if our body and we do not know how to put the brake on our nervous system. So it's just pumping, pumping, pumping. So something like the community resiliency model, and we're not the only wellness practice. You know, you mentioned meditation, um, different kinds of movements, um, uh, trauma-informed yoga, is that we're helping the nervous system learn that it has a break. And that comes with the intention that we can do something differently that can stop that process of that toxic stress response that got started, not because we did anything wrong, because our nervous system reacted that way because of the 
the number of adverse child experiences that we had as kids. So it's just, it's kind of simple. And the thing about the nervous system, when you're in that stress response, it doesn't really respond to words. So if any of you ever been real anxious, you can say, stop being anxious, stop being anxious. Do you, can you do it? No, but you can sense it away. You can sense your, you know, like my hands on the steering wheel, my bottom of the chair of my seat. I can touch my, 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 my table. And all of a sudden, I'm grounding myself, coming back into my space. So that's why the biology is important because it's not just what we think and feel, it is what we sense. And I think that's what I'm hearing from both of you about why it's so important. As you said, Carrie and Kelly, brain cells that fire together, wire together. So the more we pay attention to our well-being, you know what, gosh darn it, it just continues to grow. Isn't that something kind of almost amazing? Well, and the thing that, that, that Healthy Blue and that other healthcare companies are going to love about this is that uh, that toxic stress that we talked about, the adrenaline and the cortisol, they inflame the body. Inflammation makes us sick. Inflammation that makes us sick as children, trauma lodges in the body. It makes us sick all of our lives. And if we can give people tools to d- digest the trauma early, then maybe they won't walk around with all this undigested trauma and you won't have hurt people hurting people. You won't have one disaster leading to a whole lot of other disasters. And that's the thing I love so much about all the work that we're doing. We're addressing root cause and root causes childhood trauma. And we're working to prevent and heal childhood trauma and to help children and families and communities become more compassionate and healthier and resilient. And that's a beautiful thing because, you know, all ships float higher on the rising tide as, as these kids get healthier and they go to school less stressed out. They're not as likely to bump the whole class out of their zone. The whole class is going to learn together better. People will be healthier. They won't go to school sick as often. Maybe it's just... Good decisions lead to good decisions and not great decisions or decisions not made in your prefrontal cortex lead to more not great decisions. Well, and I was hoping that Kelly might want to say a little bit more. Kelly, you've worked so close to kids. And can you say a little bit more about, I think, giving us some illustrations about what um, uh, Carrie's talking about? Yeah, definitely. I think it made me think about the resilient zone and how we explain the resilient zone um, and how that common language in this model, we teach about the the resilient zone and being able to identify when you're in your zone, right? You're making better decisions. You're able to think clearer. You're able to learn. You're able to communicate, right? And so being able to teach children and teachers and the wider community that when we can be in our zone, when we can use these wellness skills, skills to be more in our zone, we are, are, we are better self. We are able to really communicate and collaborate. But sometimes as human beings, right, we get bumped out of our resilient zone and helping children to identify that and use skills to have actual practical skills that they can use to feel empowered and, and teachers, right? As a teacher, I use them myself very much. And so there is, there is so much value in having the adults have these skills because modeling is huge, right? Being able to just model the skills 
skills for for students and children, as well as use them for yourself to, as Carrie's saying, to stay in your zone. Um, it's just so powerful. And so actually I did have a teacher, I did a, a crim workshop for a for a, a teacher, classroom teachers. And after the workshop, one of the teachers said, thank you so much for teaching me about the resilient zone because it's a resource for me now to understand that and to know what was happening in my experience. And I feel the same way that really it gave me an understanding that, as you said, to have that compassion for myself and others in a deeper way. And that's what this model does. It helps us to really feel that and understand that. And um, I think it's so powerful to give that to children, to have that common language, that understanding, and they can understand their brains and bodies better as well. Well, and the and the skills that the teachers learn that they're giving to the kids, it's like it's a reciprocal system. It's co-regulation. And so when that co-regulation happens, that really does help the kids do better. And also it reduces the secondary tra- um, traumatization that teachers have if they're dealing with some very challenging behaviors that maybe they didn't have the skills that they didn't get that training when they went to their, their, their universities to become teachers. So we're hoping that if we have these skills in the palm of our hand in literally in the palm of our hand, then how might that change things? So I want to come back to, Oh my goodness. I cannot believe it. That time has slipped away. Um, So for each one of you, we have really this time together, we could have a whole other hour together. I, Seriously, but I'm wondering if you could each give me a, like just one kind of sentence or two about what do you think is the most important um, component for our listeners to take away from your learnings about healthy the Healthy Blue Initiative or any other kinds of things that you're working on. I'm going to go to Carrie first and then Kelly second. So Carrie, well, that in one minute or less. Okay, all right. Let's see. Um, one minute, please, that uh, if you are in a community where you see things that Starting now. are troubling to you about children experiencing trauma and homelessness and food insecurity and whatnot, you can create a resilient community. Go to PacesConnection.com and look down the right side of the page to starting a resilient community, and we can help you do that. If you already have a resilient community and you want to know more about how to do this, uh, get in touch with me. It's Carrie C. Sip, S is in Sam, I, P is in Peter, P is in Peter, at Paces, P is in Peter, A, C is in Cat, E, S is in Sam, PacesConnection.com. And especially if you are a corporation or you belong to one and you want to go into your boss and say, gee whiz, I know how we could really do something great for our community that would last for a long time and could help people for generations to come. Let's sponsor this community going into the Paces Connection. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Let's give Kelly. I would love Kelly to say something, too. So go ahead, Kelly. And how do they get in touch with you? Oh, I am um, a resilient S E N C at gmail.com is the healthy blue initiative email or ground connect empower.com. Um, but I just want to end with that. There is so much hope. Um, there really is so much hope in this model and in the work that's being done. And I just want to thank absolutely everyone who is in this work and, and in this movement and doing the work. So that's what I want to leave people with is there is so much work happening and there is so much hope in that. And um, I hope that you will also find hope and peace in that as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I just want to say to both of you, you both are living examples of what else is true in the world. 
that there's, yes, there's sadness and suffering, but there are good folks like you trying to make this world a better place. And so for all our listeners, if you're feeling blue, if you're feeling like, I don't know if what they're saying could be true, I want you all to remember what else may be true in your life and take a look at Pace's connection and say yours again, Kelly, because I don't, that's not in my head as well as the other. Oh, yeah, groundconnectempower.com. And then I can put in the show notes as well. Okay. Thank you so much, both of you. I am so honored to know both of you. And you keep spreading those doses of well-being. And I'm glad to be on the I'm glad to be on a journey with both of you. God bless you all. And God bless our listeners. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.